0: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Brainiac podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Bianchi, a master's student here at the University of Toronto. And I'm really excited to be bringing you a new episode today. In today's episode, we'll be talking about something that I think can often get overlooked at times in the concussion space, and that's the influence of coaches and the impact that they can have on athletes' concussion awareness, reporting attitudes, and just culture in general surrounding injury. And to gain a coach's perspective on this, I'm so thrilled to be joined by the University of Toronto Women's Volleyball Coach, Christine Drakich. And so thank you so much for taking the time um, to join us today.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: So just a brief bio, so we can take some stock of just how lucky we are today. Um, Christina's been the coach of the Women's Volleyball Program since the 1989-90 season. During that time, the team was qualified for a whopping 30 OUA Final Four appearances, winning the OUA Championship 11 times. She has also been named the OUA East Coach of the Year 11 times. And lastly, beyond her involvement with U of T, has also coached with Team Ontario and Team Canada in different capacities. So I think it's safe to say that you know we're extremely lucky, lucky to be listening to her expertise and perspective today. You know, before we get into the um, the bulk of our episode, I just have a quick icebreaker question so our listeners can maybe get to know you a little bit better. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your coaching journey, you know, how you got into it and what coaching means to you.
3: Sure. I I mean, I absolutely love coaching. I, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to have uh, a career that is my passion, that is a job. And, and so that's amazing. Um, I love, what I love about coaching most is that it's, it's like life, but with no major consequences. You know, we mm-hmm. take risks, we, we try out things, we do different things. And, and so the ball lands on the floor, it doesn't. It's, it, it's not major. Yes, we win or lose, but it, it's what I love about coaching. And I love coaching in a, in a university setting because it's, it's just all about learning about yourself and, and uh, working together with people. And so it's, it's amazing. I love helping people go from A to B. How I got mm-hmm. here, I, I, I played um, at, at, at uh, you know, the university level, at um, the national team level, and then stumbled across it, I have to say. I had no plans of coaching whatsoever. I started, um, you know, I studied sociology with a bit of criminology had uh, nothing to do with coaching. I played at a high level. I understood the game at a high level. Like I guess I was a good student of the game. And it wasn't until the athletic director at the time had said to me, and I, I we didn't qualify for the Olympics w- at one period, and, and I had had an injury, and there was sort of this transitional phase. And she said, I think you'd be really good. Why don't you coach? I'm like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Okay, well, I'll give it a try for a couple years, see where it takes me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. 30 some odd years later, I'm still here. <laughs> so that's how I got here.
2: That's a, that's an awesome story. And it's, you know, great to just hear how passionate you are. Cause it's obviously great to have passionate coaches at, at a university and it's been reflected in the results. That's for sure. Um, so now just, now we're going to get into our conversation. I want to start a discussion by asking, um, you know, how you've seen the concussion landscape change over your years of coaching, because you have a pretty unique experience in that you've been a coach throughout the you know, entire evolution of concussion in sport. And so I was wondering just kind of what that's been like from your perspective, because I often think we don't realize just how fast things have really changed in this space.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it came like it, there was no um, recognition of it. Mm -hmm. early in, well, in my playing career and then early in my coaching career. You know, I mean, I I play in a sport where balls are flying, like multiple balls are flying all over the place. So, you know, being hit in the head by a ball is not uncommon. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got people who are rolling on the floor, diving on the floor. So, you know, then there's there's hit heads on the floor and there's collisions that we're in a small, like we're in a nine meter by nine meter space where six people are, moving around and and covering so you know it was just it was non-existent even the i mean the term concussion or anything like it was Mm -hmm. just like whatever okay we just keep playing so you know it was i was you know i feel very lucky to have been part uh here at the university of of toronto when they started doing uh concussion research in 1999 i think it might have started here and you know, so that's sort of, and that was early, I think, an early adoption, although it was becoming yeah. known, it was an early adoption of the term, being aware of it, being mindful of it, and and just even the evolution of, you know, what the evidence has shown and how it's changed over time, you know, so it, it really has, through, throughout my career, it's changed from absolutely nothing to something that is, you know, really you know uh, something we watch for something that's really critical, something that's we're aware of and even you know in Ontario with Rowan's law so I mean it's moved right. from nothing to you know kind of something that's 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 become very public and and even you know a law to some mm-hmm. extent so uh, as, and the protocols have changed significantly over time you know yeah. from the even at the beginning from the um, y- y- you know the be isolated, you know, sit in the dark kind of thing mm-hmm. to actually being active a little bit sooner. So it's it's just yeah. evolved significantly, and and partly, you know, due to I mean obviously significantly due to the research that's been done um, and the evidence that they're that they're finding. And so the return to play, return to, and and combining it not just return to play but return to school, return to life um has, yeah. has now it's not just returned to play which what it might have been early on but it's also returned to you know school return to life return to everything so i mean and i i also in, interestingly in, in year 2000 i suffered a major concussion oh wow okay right at the beginning parts of it so even that was that was interesting when i, I was still playing i was a competitive athlete at that time and and mm-hmm. so you know to just see how it's evolved it's just um yeah fascinating
2: yeah, that's a, that's a great perspective. Like I said, it's, it's changed so fast, just learning about it from my perspective. So having, you know, you share that experience, I can br- really brings it to, to life and, and, you know, being a coach and, and an athlete during that time, you know, how are these changes in terms of protocols, baseline testing, like how are they received by the players at first?
3: Well, I think if we go, you know, back to when it first started, um, you know, and doing the baseline. And I think even the baseline testing has evolved significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we we were very much involved in it. And I I mean, people didn't understand it. I mean, and also yeah. when you call something testing, they're kind of like, you know, I, and you're at a university, they're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. you know, I have to do well at this. I have to pass it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: When in fact, it's it's got nothing really to do with that. Yeah. Um So I think there's, you know, a little confusion, a little early on confusion, but, you know, everybody took part in it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think too, I mean, uh, another thing that may have helped within my context was, you know, I, when I had the concussion, I mean, I was, I was sort of left half paralyzed for a few hours and then it took a long time to come back. And, and I mean, I, I worked with a neuropsychologist. So, I mean, even as I shared in the early times, like that was around 2000. It was um, and I all of the athletes had had done baseline testing, <laughs> but I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that, you know, so I think there was sort of some real life experiences story to share. But, you know, they were um, very much, you know, supportive of, of the protocols, weren't sure what it was about. But then when mm-hmm. when some people would be, um, you know, diagnosed with concussion, they would understand and, and see the impact. and. Now I it, it's really interesting. Now it's received as something really um it, you know, supportive of of athletes and supportive mm-hmm. of the health of athletes, that it's yeah. wow, you do this baseline testing, right? So and it's more common in other places. So I think we were sort of leading edge in it to some extent, and now it's it's more That's common.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess with anything new, people are gonna be a little bit not hesitant, but just like kind of what's going on here. But it's good to hear that you know stories have been shared and As the research has come out, people seem to be a little more on board now, which is obviously a positive thing. Um, So I think we're going to jump into what I think is going to, you know, compose the most of our conversation today. Um, And a large body of research points to coaches playing a pretty significant role in their athletes you know likelihood to report concussions and injury in general with positive support, of course, being associated with. Athletes having more of a positive attitude towards reporting and leading to you know less undiagnosed concussions and less concussions in general. Hopefully, um, have you found based on your experience that coaches actually do have an important role to play here?
3: Absolutely, uh, you know, I, you know, I think it, I mean it, it. has to. It actually has to come from both from from for sure from the. It has to come from the leadership and whether that's you know the coach and the coach is and then also the leadership and the influence um within within the team and i mm-hmm. think it's most impactful um when when both those those um influences are happening um and for and sure. it can't be uh it can't be you know if the coach has to be for sure um supportive of it and you know, um, leading the way because they sort of set the tone at the same time. It's, it's enhanced if you have the students, um, and involved and the leaders within the team involved.
2: For sure. And it's like, the words kind of right out of my my mouth. I was going to ask you about the role that some of the leadership, um, leadership on the team plays, but we'll kind of come to that just a little later in terms of, you know, a coach and yourself, you know, how have you during your time with the volleyball team tried to instill, culture and what can coaches who are maybe working on that take from 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 your experience and implement to their own teams
3: but you know i think it's it's complicated in a competitive sport environment Mm -hmm. Um, i mean sport is such a, a bizarre paradox in in terms of yes we want to you know develop incredible people and you know and have healthy high performance sport at the same time what is valued is winning what is valued is the performance in a competition and so how how do you live in that and I think that that's yeah. um that's really complicated so that's the culture of competitive sport and mm-hmm. whatever sport and whatever level you're playing at and so for a coach to be able to I think it's you know really important to understand sort of the the longer term vision of what it is they're doing and 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 you know, how they're impacting the people that they're working with over the long haul, which is hard to do when you maybe get evaluated by wins and or judged by wins or judged by things and so it's this, it's this tension that um, is constantly there. Um, So I think, I think at first it's recognizing this acknowledging this, and understanding, you know what the, what the purpose is and ultimately you know the key reason why we coach is because of the people that we work with because Mm -hmm. of the the athletes and so how do we help athletes have a healthy experience and a quality experience and when it comes to you know any sort of thing that might interrupt their health i mean that should be something that overrides you know the Mm -hmm. the need the need to win at the same time the athletes working with that struggle too so they're also working with, yes, I'm growing and developing, but I'm only gaining significance if I'm playing. I'm only gaining significance mm-hmm. if I'm part of this. So it's it's a tension that that both the athletes and the coaches work with. And, and so I think the biggest thing is that the coach being aware of that tension, understanding where they are, and in the end, being able to make decisions that that are in the best interests of, of the student athletes and or of, of the athletes. And, and so making sure that that's that that's paramount and i think that's hard to do and in in this and so to have supportive people and and particularly organ the leaders above the coach Mm -hmm. are also the ones that need to be supportive of that to understand that this this is what you know health takes you know takes priority and precedence and i also believe a healthy high performance experience is going to lead to the wins and the successes too so but, you know, it might be longer term, not so much short term. So I think it's uh, awareness of why we do what we do and, and a really clear understanding. And that to take in consideration the long-term health of this, the athletes you're working with is, is priority. And that, you know, and, and having the culture that's culture on the team and in the organization that understands that. And that, you know, we rally together for the, for the health and, and we can still win doing that
2: hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's a great point that you made about it, it, it's not an, you know, an easy thing to do because a lot of people don't realize that coaches are in that tough position where, you know, they, they want to do their job. And part of that job is you got to you got to win sometimes. Um, so I think, you know, from the outside looking like, in, maybe people don't appreciate that tension enough that like sort of competing interests. Um, and we'll keep that in the forefront of our mind because I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. Um, one thing that you did mention is that the leaders of the team are really important. And so, what is it that you've seen leaders on your team do that have been successful in really kind of cultivating that culture where injury is okay, people are encouraged to speak about their injuries, and you know, discouraged from playing through and hiding things from one another? Do
3: you, do you mean the the athlete leaders, the team lead, or the coaches? Um, or
2: I'm talking both? specifically about the the, the players on a team who are like part of a leadership group, so to speak?
3: Well, you know, I think um, the experiences that they have had. So when you have some people who have been around for a while, and I I mean, I work in an environment where many of the athletes were were together for three to four to five years. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have a, you know, you, you have some older players or players who have been around for a bit who can share some of their experiences I, I don't think every coach has that luxury. Sometimes mm-hmm. they just have the team in the short term and not and don't necessarily have the, the people on the team who've had that experience of having um you know having an injury and then working through it and and seeing the opportunity in the injury and seeing the opportunity of um that that comes with it, not just all, all the challenges and helping them to say, you know this will work out. It'll work out in the long term. I know you can't see it right now, but it will work out. And, and there's no need to, to play through this. Like if you, if you have an issue, go and, you know, speak to somebody and, Mm -hmm. and, and address it. So I I think the, um, I don't know if it's role modeling or, you know, having these, these older, older players, more experienced Mm -hmm. players to be able to say, Hey, it's okay. Like we've all been there. We've all had that. And You know, you don't need to play through it. This is a this is a long term game, right? Like it's yeah, it's 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 long, and and so in the short, yeah, you might benefit here, but this short might actually end up hurting you in the long run. So I think also providing perspective, sharing experiences, providing expen- um uh, perspective, but also then seeing them do it. So when something happens to them, even in that environment, to say no, I think that you know, you need to you go in and, and chat with it. We're, we're also lucky enough to have, you know, uh, sport medicine staff, whether it's student therapists or mm-hmm. therapists that, that are there most of the time. So they actually don't come direct, they don't have to come directly to the coach. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, recognizing that they may be, especially new ones, may be a little bit shy or unsure or unclear or not so confident in talking with one of the coaches that there's sort of, you know, I'm going to call it a triage situation where yeah. they, they can chat with somebody else, or they can talk with a senior player, then they can maybe talk with a therapist, then they can work their way. Or if we didn't have the therapist and they didn't feel comfortable talking to the head coach, they could talk to one of the assistant coaches, talk to a senior player, talk to one of the assistant coaches and, and make their way. I mean, I'd like mm-hmm. to think that I'm open enough that they can, um, you know, that they can come and, and and talk with me, but I'm also fully aware of the power dynamic and and everything, and no matter what you do, it it always exists there. So as long as there's different ways that they can, different avenues that they can um, share something that's just happened. Here's a cool fact. A
0: crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
4: Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what
0: ifs, some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry?
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. Um, it,
3: I think it's important.:
2: Certainly. And, and it sounds like you know, even if a coach does all they can, you know it sounds a little, it sounds different coming from a player. When you have a teammate putting their arm around you and, and telling, you know telling somebody, especially maybe even a younger player. Hey, it's okay to report this. You know, we, we support, you know, that openness on the team. I'm sure it makes a huge difference. And it sounds like it does.
3: Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, it's critical and it's, and I I also think that there needs, you know, it's, it can be helped with some training of those people, Mm -hmm. like just because they've had the experience, the senior athletes, because they've had the experience doesn't necessarily mean they know how to share it or how to be, an effective influencer. So some, you know, there needs to be mm-hmm. some conversations and intentional conversations about how you can make this, how you can use your experience that you've had to make a difference for the people in you. And it's it's not that they don't know that, but they're not yeah. aware that they can actually do it. So, so sure. sometimes there's some, um, you know, just conversations and, and helping them to understand how they can be a bit more intentional with with this.
2: Yeah, certainly. I think that's, that's an, an amazing point. And, you know, kind of on the, on that um idea of, you know, them learning that they have this ability, a lot of time we, we hear a big emphasis on education when it comes to concussion, you know, we're in theory, you know, teaching athletes about concussion and sort of the specifics of what them will lead to attitude and behavior changes. Um, but based on your experience, and especially now when, you know, a lot of education is, is quite common, um, do you think it's it's more about concussion or certain education or do you think it's more about having a comfort level you know players might know what a concussion is but not you know feel comfortable in a team setting do you think it's more about education or more about just having that comfort level to go talk to a athletic therapist a coach a teammate about when something's not right
3: well i i think it's the balance right like education Mm -hmm. alone is not enough um You know, emotion plays a big part in it. Um, social connection plays a big part in it. There's a lot that plays a big part in it. Education is important because people want to know why, right? So, so it, it is important. But without some influence of the team um, leaders and and people on the team, the educate it, it'll it'll be okay. Great, yeah, I know that. But in practice, like that's theory, and in practice, we don't necessarily put that that theory into we don't operationalize that theory we don't practice that theory so and and because i think it's you know and sport is filled with emotion and competitive sport Mm -hmm. is filled with emotion and 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 you know and we're living in a world in terms of you know um significance and status and 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 depending on the and i think we also have to be aware of the age that the students and and the experiences that they're at so i think it's if it's Education cannot do it alone. It's an important piece of the why, and we can always bring it in as to why, but the actual operationalization of how we do that in practice, which I have to laugh because, you know, we spend hours training mm-hmm. one skill, one thing, a strategy, and then we just assume people will know how to put that theory into practice in relationships with people how are you going to make it a safe place well we we may have to practice that we may have to actually have some intentional conversations you know it's sort of like saying hey well I'm not gonna we're not gonna serve at all in the game of volleyball until like the very last day and then we're gonna say hey serve so I, I think we have these these sorts of how we operationalize this theory this the educational piece is so critical and it needs some some training and and I think the student athletes or the athletes can also help you what would be effective you know how Mm -hmm. we could effectively do this because their experience they're in the they're in the know they're they're working with people and and I might have a great idea of how we can operationalize or put into practice this theory and they look at me like I've got nine heads and goes (laughs) ah, yeah no I don't think that's going to work so it is it is involving them in the process and, and helping them. So we've got this dilemma. We know why we're doing this, but people seem to not be following it. So how how can we connect this? How can we mm-hmm. make this connection?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Education, of course, is extremely important, but like you said, it's not enough. And I think not enough is sort of made, not enough emphasis is put on the fact that, you know, elite athletes as the ones you coach, it, it, it's a different sort of um, dynamic within the team and within themselves like they're, they're they're sort of wired a little bit differently so trying to figure out how to get through to them and in the best way possible sometimes education like you said is just not enough um,
3: well and the other thing is what might work this year may not work next year with the group and and, mm-hmm. and and it's a it's sort of a fluid situation and so you know it's not like okay well I did it in year one and then I never have to do it again it's like people are evolving, people are growing, people are changing, people are thinking differently, people, relationships change. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it has to be intentional. It has to be intentional um, training and practice and it has to be intentional and then, you know, feed. And when the opportunity arises, really trying to see here's, and sometimes you don't know when the opportunity is going to come, come. And so that, that's, that's the time when you want, you put it in practice and then you go, okay, we need to refine that a little bit.
2: Absolutely. And, I think, you know, feedback like this in this perspective is something that, you know, the researchers or the people translating this knowledge in formulaic education can take into account to sort of make them, um, you know, a little e- even better and even more effective, you know, moving forward. Because I think, you know, it's, it's kind of sometimes gets lost just how unique sport and team, especially in a team environment, is. Um, We're just building off of that idea of comfort level in terms of reporting, you know, having worked with athletes for a long time, there seems to be, maybe this is because concussion is just so new, but there seems to be a sort of a bit of a taboo around concussion specifically. Why do you think that athletes might be more hesitant to report a concussion compared to maybe other injuries, like a a leg injury, for example, like a physical injury?
3: Well, you know, I think it's, um, I mean, there's there's a, a lot of reasons, but I think one is it's not visible. Mm -hmm. right so it's very clear when you've you know you've cut something you've done something you can't walk you can't you know when you're on crutch like you can see this and so it's 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 very um -hmm. it's very real so partly you don't see it and and you know I think every like what is bizarre is that it's so unique how it impacts people so like we you know if you happen to sprain an ankle or you know, do something that there's usually this linear pathway of, of recovery.
4: Mm -hmm. And
3: so it it could be that people have seen somebody with a concussion that has, you know, been out for a long time or, or whatever. So I think it's invisible. I think it's not clear exactly how one heals. And it's also clear that it means I won't be playing. It means I won't get on the ice or the field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and I think that that's a a piece of it. So um, it's easy to deny it because it's not visible. And uh, the person, you know, they don't want to lose, they don't want to lose the ability to play, they don't want to lose their connection to the community. Hmm. Um, So I think there's, there's all sorts of reasons. And it is true that if there's a, I would say that even if there's an injury that's visible, that doesn't seem, they want to still play through it. So I I don't think concussion is unique in that way. I mean, af- you know, and, and how many you know, Hollywood movies have we seen where you play yeah. through the pain and you know, no mm-hmm. pain, no gain. And so unfortunately that's part of a culture too. Like if you're tough, you do it. So yeah. it, there's all these things that play a part in it but I, I think it's in- magnified because it's somewhat invisible because the healing process isn't linear. And you know, because it, it's, it's gonna take me away from the community. Mm-hmm. and and
2: from playing yeah that's it's actually kind of really good in terms of leading to one of our next discussion points which you know we spent a lot of time talking about you know how important you know it is that coaches prioritize injury and you know foster a positive culture but i, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about and acknowledge that there are some challenges that, that come with this um And, you know, one of those things is that a common challenge that athletes experience, like you said, when they're working through a concussion is that they miss that team experience. They miss being able to do what they love and they don't know how long sometimes it's going to be. And so they feel a little bit isolated. And so as a coach, do you think it's one important to keep injured athletes involved with the team? And and how do you do that, especially when they might be limited in what they can and can't do at, at that time?
3: Absolutely critical to keep connections with the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we're social beings and, and, and depend and particularly depending on, on, you know, the stage that they're at, but, but to keep them connected to the community, it's something that's very important to them It's something not just the relationships, but it, it, it's, it's critical and it's, it's challenging when it comes to, um, you know, a concussion because sometimes noise lights, different things, which means coming into the gym, is challenging. If you come in, if you have a, a sprained ankle you're recovering from or, or some kind of other physical injury, you can still come into the gym, do your exercises, mm-hmm. do your things, and you're you're physically connected. And it's easier to create the human connections and the team connections. The challenge with concussion is that many of the, the symptoms are brought on by things that are in the field of play mm-hmm. that, that that make that actual human connection complicated. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's really uh, important and challenging to figure out how do we create and keep that connection when they're distant. Um, I, I think it's great and the evolution of some of the recovery that they can do some, you know, f- you know, low risk physical activity, mm-hmm. which can sometimes be in the field of play, depending on what their symptoms are. But and, and if they can't go on the screen and in this COVID time, it's even more challenging because yeah. of it's hard to just go and connect with somebody and sit quietly in, in a room together because, you know, just the, the pandemic has made that challenging. So I think yeah. you've had a, an, an extra layer of concussion and you can't necessarily do a Zoom connection or FaceTime or whatever it is because, you know, they're they they they're limited in screen time mm-hmm. and all their classes are on screen yeah, time. So it's just fair. it's really I think it's really magnified and it's really challenged. And this is, you know, a unique experience. How do we do it? And that's where there's some discussion with some some players on the team. How do we keep, you know, player X involved? What what can we do given our limitations? And maybe, you know, it's a phone call, a a 10-minute conversation, right? And maybe Mm -hmm. it's a a walk around the block and maybe we set up, uh, you know, somebody each every other day so it again it has to be it's challenging it doesn't happen organically at mm-hmm. all you, you know it has to be intentional it has to be kind of planned and and it appears to be organic but it's not there's actually yeah. been a lot of work into figuring out how we're going to do this you, you know and then it's also trying to work with the the person who has the concussion and help them to to realize that it's going to work out. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's going to work out. The the path is different and it's unique and we don't know. And and there's a lot of, well, when am I gonna come back? Well, you know, it's, we just, you work on your healing. So it's really challenging, really, Mm -hmm. really challenging. And, but incredibly important, like so important because they're so separated from everything. And I think in this time it's even more magnified yeah. Um, so, and and I'm I can't say that I'm, I mean I'm conscious of it, I'm aware of it, and I even find it challenging. So, mm-hmm. I can't imagine somebody who's maybe not even as aware. But it's sure. and working with some of the students uh, or some of the athletes that you work with, how can we do this and make it fun, make it something that they can do and and find it meaningful, mm-hmm. and also what would be helpful for the athlete who's injured.
2: Yeah, that's that's a fantastic answer because a drum that I'm gonna keep beating throughout like my time hosting this podcast is that the psychological impacts of concussion can be just as consequential as any of the other ones that people might commonly think of you know just for an athlete to not be doing what they love they might not even be able to come watch a game because they just can't handle that environment meanwhile you know if you sprain your ankle like you said you can come watch a game you might not be playing but you can come watch and support and so it's just such a different injury in that regard and that psychological piece is so important, especially for an athlete when that's that's their life and they can't take part of that. That that can really affect them. So I think that's you know a pretty great perspective that you've shared that I think you know our listeners can can really benefit um, benefit from. And kind of along that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: I, I was just going to say I think too that it's a reminder of uh, as coaches to try to help prior to this help people find you know other things that are they're passionate about and and create a balance in in the athletes that we work with so that it's not so solely focused on on being an athlete so that it's a little bit easier in these transitional periods Mm -hmm. or if we haven't done that this is a great opportunity to sort of say okay well so what are some other things that you're passionate about and love but you know absolutely the the love the passion the connection something that brings them tremendous joy when it's taken away from them huge impacts yeah and
2: you know, we, we, we kind of touched on the idea that concussion recovery can be pretty complex and, and tricky and not not as linear as we we might like it to be so as a coach does it ever maybe frustrating is not the right word but is it ever concerning when you see a player sort of recovering from a concussion it doesn't seem to be you know going the way that that everyone would hope you know some days they feel good but some days they they regress and, and they're not feeling as good And as a coach sort of how do you navigate those situations? What role do you play? Or do you kind of just let the athlete kind of go through it on their own and, and kind of like how let the medical staff sort of deal with that, those challenges in recovery?
3: Well, I think it's, a, you know, it's a partnership and, and mm-hmm. for sure. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've worked with enough athletes and and have worked through and have had my own and, and whatever mm-hmm. experiences. So I, I don't think, at this stage, I mean, I think there's there's sadness and disappointment for, for you know, the athlete, mm-hmm. and obviously, it the, the, the there is I, I I don't know if I would say that it's it's frustrating. I mean, on on some of it maybe, but it's frustrating yeah, for the athlete too. So there's a pile of different feelings that come along with it. Um, but I think it's again, it, it's a recognition that everybody is so unique in the healing process, and to mm-hmm you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So, you know, you can't compare This person had a concussion and they were back yeah. within, you know, 10 days, this person had a concussion and, and still going. And it's sort of, that's just the way it goes. That I mean, the, the thing is, so working with the sport med team, I think the partnership there is critical. And I think that that's hard to do in the community, but the partnership mm-hmm. is sort of, you know, how can we slow, how can we get them back through their ups and downs and, 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 and go, and, and it may take, a week or two it may take months it's it's just everybody's on their own their own own sort of a schedule and so i think it's um you know it's, it's working together i don't think it's ever in isolation i think mm-hmm. it's it's there's a partnership going on between the athlete their caregiver um, and awareness of the coach and that we're all working we're all working for the same you know to try to help the athlete recover you know back into life back into school back into playing and, and how, how can we best do it? And what role do each one of us play? So I think there's a lot of um, connection conversations and partnerships that have to go on and really challenging for, for, I mean, it's so funny, like, you you know, at the end of it, they'll understand it, but going through the messy middle of it, they just don't get why one day I'm like this one day I'm not. And I said, the curve is the curve is generally up, even though there's these ups and downs, it's generally up. The brain heals in its own way.
2: Yeah, and, and that's what confuses people, unfortunately, sometimes. But but that's just the way it works. Um, unfortunately, it's not not linear. And that can be frustrating. Um,
3: and I I think too the the term concussion mm-hmm. has this um you know for some people it has this oh my gosh I have to be isolated and yeah. you know dark and I'm it's they could you know there's a, there's a great opportunity to catastrophize with the word concussion mm-hmm. because you know the vision and the amount imag- is oh my gosh I'm like you know I'm going to be impaired forever for so long yeah. and for this and for that so it's it, it's it's unfortunately taken on this this massive kind of you know word that means ding 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 mm-hmm. like you That's know right. whoa which you know early on it was like now it's becoming more accepted that it's you know it, it is a brain injury obviously mm-hmm. but you know, it, it, we just don't know. And we don't know to what extent. And and like I said, the, the uniqueness of concussions are like uniqueness of humans. And, and and you just, you know, we just don't know enough about it to know yeah. what the process is for healing. But I do think the word is loaded.
2: Yeah, it is definitely somewhat stigmatizing at times for athletes. Um, but like you said, hopefully as, you know, awareness continues to grow and people you know, continue to, to accept the seriousness of the injury, it's um again like it's not it's not labeled as sort of this monster that can't be that can't be dealt with it is you know you can't deal with it it might not be as fast as we like but like you said it is something that can be can be worked through um, so for this for this last section and the last question I'm going to wrap up our discussion about challenges like putting on you know my sports fan hat so to speak for more of like a practical question I think maybe our listeners or anybody that's watched sports or been involved with sports like might have asked themselves in the past so like, I, like we mentioned, it coaches at the elite level, like they're often judged on results. And I think sometimes this like hypothetical situation that like fans always think of is that, you know, when there's an athlete that appears to be hurt, appears to have been concussed, but they say, no, I'm good to play. I want to keep going as a coach. Like, how do you handle that situation? Because that, that can be maybe tough. It sounds like at least in my head.
3: I mean, it's extremely tough and especially in the heat of the moment, this is where the emotion comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but obviously, I mean, especially if it's, if it's visible, like if we've mm-hmm. seen it, then it's, then there's no choice. It's just a, yeah. an automatic, you know, you're off. And, and, and hopefully we've done a good enough job working in our team unit that, that when one is, when one is off, we can, we can still manage and and we can yeah. still be successful. And I mean, that's the challenge as a coach, right? Like we, we need to, we need to be able to move people in and out. And, you know, if it's uh, rarely, I, I rarely, I mean, if the athlete is actually saying, "I need to come off," that's beyond anything. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't think I've it rarely have we come across that when an athlete mm-hmm. and when an athlete does it, that's like, oh my gosh, it's yeah, alarm bells. Generally. Kind of. It's uh, I'm feeling okay. I'm I want to go back in and and it's sort of like, no, no. And that's you know, that's my choice as a coach because I can decide who goes in and who goes out. That's right. But if I see something, if I have any indication whatsoever, and if then absolutely it's it's not it's just not worth it. And that's when my longer term vision has to override my immediate emotion of Mm -hmm. let's keep it going, right? Let's keep it going. And so it's, it's a fine balance and um, you want to do what's in the best interests of, of, of the athlete and the team. And there's like, it's a complex questions to go through in terms yeah. of, you know, what are the implications if you go back on, what if, what if not? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, it's tough and it's it frustrating, is. but the longer term vision has to come in there.
2: Absolutely. And I can imagine sometimes athletes are a little mad when, you know, they think they're fine, but maybe they're not and you can tell is there maybe a conversation that comes after the game to sort of like diffuse a situation if they're still angry just to explain to them hey this is why you know I took you off it's it's for your it's for your health or is that something that after the game after half an hour they sort of understand there's sometimes a discussion necessary
3: well I I think the I mean at least the culture in 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 our group is I, I mm-hmm. don't know if I would um, I think they would understand, but I think there's always a conversation that okay. you can have afterwards because this created an opportunity to share some of, you know, the vision and 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 why we made the choice we did. Now it's, you know, I, I think it's different if you're in professional sport, and but in in the community sports and and these types of um, environments, uh, you know, for sure, um, I. It, it's always worth having sharing um, information and having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case to say, this is the reason why I made the decision that I made. And, and, you know, you may not agree with me, but this, this was my rationale. And, and then, and also find out how, how they're feeling about it and how we could do it differently if we needed to not, you know, that's after the game.
2: Yeah. I think, I think that's like fantastic. having like the openness and and for yourself to have, you know the willingness to change and adopt things based on your athletes experiences is, is unique and in a coach I think that's um, a quality that cannot be overstated like how important it is I think that's it's fantastic just hearing hearing that from you I think if there's any coaches listening I'm sure you know if you're listening to this podcast you probably already do that but either way I think that's just such an important lesson just being open with your players kind of trying to knock down that power dynamic like you mentioned as much as possible is, is so key so I think that that's just that's great to hear honestly. Um, and so I think that kind of actually brings sort of a, a wrap to our discussion today. It's, it's been so insightful. Thank you so, so much again for taking the time to come on this month's episode in the middle of, of your season to talk about some of the really important aspects that coaches play um, in the concussion space. So I really, really do appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you so much. I, I enjoyed the conversation
2: and just before we do wrap up i'd want to give a quick shout out to the uft women's volleyball team currently at the time of recording record of four and one hopefully by the time this uploaded it's five and one big game this saturday
3: it's, um, it's actually two uh it's we've we've actually only oh i guess oh. with exhibition games you're right with okay. exhibition games yep yep you're right
2: okay because I, I i did i look at the at uh, the website i didn't realize there was, um, those were exhibitions, but there is a game this weekend. Am I right at saying that?
3: There is two PM okay. against Ryerson.
2: That's, here okay. that's a, at that's the a big one. Toronto. That's a big one. So best of luck in that game. Would you like to just share a quick word on how the team's doing this year and sort of what the rest of the season might hold moving forward?
3: Well, I mean, first off, just to be able to play is amazing. Yeah. That's to be right. able to to be able to train and to be able to play given where the world is at right now is just amazing. And I think what we've learned is that Anything can happen, like anything. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it could stop at any moment. So, you know, the pure joy and thrill of of playing, being with each other, competing. It's it's a new group. It's a fun group, and you know, we're learning about each other as we go, and just you know, having a blast. So I, yeah, I, I just, it's just amazing. So that's really, and and I love working with the group, and and, you know, just a really competitive group and a and a really hard working, hard working group.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. And best of luck, best of luck along the way and for our listeners who want to support the team and their efforts this season, their quest for another OUA final four birth, um, visit the Varsity Blues website for scores and schedules. And also be sure to follow their Instagram page. It's at Varsity Blues. And so with that, that brings an end to this month's episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at concussion.can.toronto. And we'll see you next month for a brand new episode. HeadCheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more.
3: The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com.